0: Holy Potluck. 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 I'm Brian Hu I'm Ada Singh
1: And welcome to Saturday School
0: When your friends are watching Saturday morning cartoons You're being forced to learn Asian American pop culture history everyone. Welcome back to Saturday School. For those of you listening to us for the first time, we're an Asian pop culture history podcast. So last semester, we revisited films that were about Asian Americans in Asia. This semester is going to be all about Asian films about Asian Americans. So we're going
1: to flip it. So last semester, we noted how, especially with films like Crazy Rich Asians in the zeitgeist, that there was a history of Asian Americans trying to find opportunities by making films in Asia that were about Asia. And I think part of what we were starting to discover is that in going to Asia, they found themselves stereotype, maybe self-stereotyping. As different. And a similar kind of stereotyping happens actually on the other side, which is that filmmakers in Asia, when they make films that feature Asian Americans, kind of color Asian America in odd ways that an Asian American person might think is inauthentic. So we think about this season as the flip side to Hollywood. Hollywood stereotypes Asian Americans in America, Asian cinema stereotypes Asian Americans in Asia. And we wanted to begin and end our seasons by talking about the industry that's probably done the most for portrayals of Asian Americans and the Asian diaspora, and that's Bollywood.
0: <laughs> that's why we invited our special guest, angelie Shaw, one of
1: our favorite people in the world. Top three people in the world for sure.
0: Who does not like Bollywood. <laughs>
2: Alright, guys. You're setting me up to get hate mail. Cast
1: a complex relationship with Bollywood.
2: That's accurate. I have a complex relationship with Bollywood. And mostly it flows through YouTube, I would say. Well, I mean
0: we can't take that much credit because you were introduced to it much earlier than you met us. Two Taiwanese Americans who did not
2: grow up watching Indian films. And one Indo-Canadian American who grew up trying not to watch Bollywood.
1: And you ended up becoming an illustrious journalist thank you
0: yeah so we should slip in here that we all go back probably like 15 years, 15 years and we used to yeah. work in the same office um listeners of the show will know that me and brian met at asia pacific arts and we had a sister publication called asia media which Angelou was editor of and she covered like wars and stuff <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, we were we were on the side like talking about YouTube stars, and she was in the other side of the same office reporting on war zones. This
2: is fair. It wasn't always war zones, but yeah, there were a couple wars while I was working in Asia media.
1: <laughs> if not war, then flooding. Yeah,
0: there were a lot of floods. Typhoons. So you could just imagine our relationship starts with us in cramped spaces and Angela rolling her eyes at us. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's how it's continued.
2: It's it's true, but I will say when you guys would leave the office and some famous person would walk by in the hallway to come and meet you, I was with the rest of the people in that building, rubbernecking and wishing I could be uh, as cool as you guys. We had famous people meet us?
1: We had like Sung King and...
2: Oh yeah. Yeah, you
0: are a Sun Kang fan.
2: I do yeah. remember when Sun Kang came.
0: <laughs> You're welcome, even though that wasn't my interview, so it wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> But Anjali is now an independent writer and editor, but she was my editor at Public Radio International Global Nation for a really long time.
2: Ada, you really brought on some really fun and really interesting stories about the way culture and entertainment works across borders.
0: Basically, you let me write about Shah Rukh Khan a lot. That's true.
1: So what does that mean that, Angela, you are farming out Bollywood to hate a Taiwanese person? What
0: does it mean that you, as an Indian-Canadian, know more about China <laughs> than me, as a Taiwanese-American, who loves Bollywood much more than you do? It means
2: we're all from Southern California at our core. Yeah. I think that's what it means.
1: That's true. Can we actually go back to your first time watching a Bollywood film?
2: I couldn't tell you the first time I saw a Bollywood film because it was always just there. I remember as a child my grandmother and my parents watching those 50s Charlie Chaplin style films, the golden era Bollywood films and just thinking it was very (laughs) high-pitched. I've come to appreciate it much more now, actually. What did
0: you like watching at the time?
2: Transformers and Voltron. (laughs) Uh, And later, I would say my most vivid memories of actually sitting through Bollywood films are the screenings that you guys used to host. Which I'm pretty sure is frustrating to my parents, who must have been a little bit disturbed that, you know, this thing that they've liked all their lives is suddenly cool because I have friends who tell me it is. So, I mean, so you guys know, right? Like, those 90s, early 90s Bollywood movies, they were just chock full of sexism. I mean, I, like, I, I think it was more and most often that I rejected the female characters in these movies, that I rejected the way that they were portrayed, and what was at stake for them because it was always marriage and it was always being dutiful and giving up something, some dream that they had in order to fulfill the bigger dream of their community. Yes. Which was a burden that was always on the women characters. Yeah. That was my biggest rejection and I continue to reject those kinds of storylines whether they're in Bollywood or elsewhere today but you guys have opened my eyes to some of the redeeming qualities (laughs) of the movies too and I'm grateful that not all films now are like that. Mm
0: -hmm. Did it not help that one of the more popular films Kuch Kuch Hotehe, had a protagonist named Anjali?
2: I knew, I knew you were going to ask that. Yeah, because it's like, you know, you had something very personal about that, right? Like the way that character, and I and I know this because of you guys. I don't think I ever would have paid that much attention to the movie if you didn't bring it up all the time. You know, it's, it's the character who has your name. Wow, we're not very good friends. She learns the big lesson, like... I have to be feminine and more of a gender stereotype in order to be a complete person. That's like the big lesson of that movie. In a
1: lot of movies, yeah.
2: So that's my basic rejection of it. Even if I, you know, like some of Kajal's saris. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, I totally get that. I completely get that. And I think it's for me watching Bollywood post college while I was covering Asian film. I feel like these movies are so tied to me just discovering Shah Rukh Khan as a performer for the first time. You know what I mean?
1: As opposed to your culture, it has yeah.
0: nothing to do with me and my immigrant parents. It has nothing to do with like how I feel about <laughs> marriage, you know, or, or like what's expected of me as a woman. You know the what I story mean?
2: Storylines of a lot of these like early two thousand Chinese movies is not that different.
1: Yeah, yeah, of course. And I think that. Beyond this sort of anxiety about your self-representation is the fact that in these Bollywood films, especially in, we're talking about the period of the 90s and early 2000s, the non-resident Indian character, the NRA, starts popping up in these films. So not only is it a representation of, say, like Indian womanhood, but it's also like an Indian-American or Indian diasporic identity altogether. And Anjali, do you remember having a response to like seeing Indian-Americans on screen but in a Bollywood film?
2: Well, I mean, in Kalhonaho, there also is often the same underlying story for that, which is somebody from India comes and saves the Indian American by re-exploring their culture with them or for them, by making them more Indian. And that kind of solves their problems.
1: Yeah, and we should note that this goes back way back. Really? The, yeah, like the, the NRI figure. One of the classic ones is a film called Purab Aur Pashim, which means sort of East and West. It's a 1970s film. It's about this patriotic freedom fighter who goes to the West and then discovers that all of these Indians have become tainted and he's going to be here to kind of sway them back to patriotism so it goes way back and it's tied of course to various kinds of political movements and ideologies that were happening in india at the time and sort of the nra figures becomes important at these moments and the 90s and 2000s this is an era of a lot of immigration of globalization where indian people are are moving around the world very quickly and suddenly the anxiety about what we do with these characters becomes important to narrate and they pop up in bollywood films but specifically in kind of exactly the ways, Angela, you're saying that they need to be saved.
2: Yeah, but it's interesting, too. I think in the 90s and 2000s, right, you see very educated and older, right? their immigrants are not all coming as students and staying so they are like already formed people in a lot of ways which allows them to come to the united states and be cool already you know (laughs) like without having to assimilate maybe the way like my parents generation did which is a totally interesting shift to me you know that idea that actually you can migrate to the united states and remain indian and also throw a block party (laughs) in new york
0: So, I was thinking about um, Shah Rukh Khan's character in this movie, who has the most amazing entrance
1: on a boat. Yeah, it's, it's like he arrives on his yacht. So,
0: it's sort of like this new idea of what fresh off the boat means. <laughs> Where it's like, like, it's historically been kind of like a pejorative way to talk about very new immigrants who haven't Americanized yet. But in Kalonaho, it's like the most epic
2: entrance ever. I took that note, actually. You guys must love that Shah Rukh Khan entry scene.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you have no idea how much we love that Shah Rukh Khan. So we, we should probably, we should mention for our listeners that Shah Rukh Khan is the uh, main character in Kahonaho, a film from 2003. But Shah Rukh Khan is actually, he's become associated with the NRI figure probably more than any other actor has. Like in um, Kabikushi Kabigam, he, he lives in this giant mansion, like the biggest mansion I've ever seen in a movie. Like he arrives on helicopters. So the NRI figures are, I think, associated with, with wealth, of with extravagant wealth. And I think that's new. I don't think that was happening in the 70s, at least as, as talked about in these films. So these are also the characters, these NRI characters are usually the children of the immigrants and the return of them as this sort of weird, monstrous figure that people in India don't really know what to do with. And I think the wealth makes them a little bit more palatable, (laughs) but also ridiculous. Yeah. Which is interesting because I think so much of, especially in classic Bollywood, virtue is tied to suffering and poverty. Yeah. You choose to become poor to prove your own patriotic or national authenticity. I'm thinking of like classic films like Piazza. And then here's the exact opposite. Like it's the it's the wealthy person who still has to like prove their virtues some other way, often through romance or loving mothers. <laughs> Poverty has nothing to do with it anymore. You can be rich and still patriotic.
0: I feel like there's some parallels with Chinese and Chinese American stereotypes. I should say Taiwanese Americans because I don't know anything about China unlike Angeli. When Taiwanese Americans go back to Taiwan, I think there's this idea that Oh, yeah, these are like the rich kids. But nowadays with like crazy rich Asians and stuff and just sort of like the knowledge of wealthy China, obviously, it's not as simple as the stereotypes.
2: It's also a change in immigration. I mean, just the way that people come to the United States from Asia, the pathways are way more open to you if you have money. Whereas before you needed money, but, you know, you could come for education you could come as a family member, but, yeah. you know, there weren't so many employment or investor visas available, which, you know, changes the, the population that migrates.
1: Yeah, and, and I think folks in India are aware of that, aware of these changing um, patterns, and therefore expect different kinds of characters as a result. And this is when you start seeing characters who are scientists or who work in tech, and Sherwit has played plenty of them. Maybe we should make a quick detour to probably the most famous of these films. This is Diwali Duhaniya Le Jayenge. Okay, ddlj from 1995 we have chosen this film if it was set in the us but this is a story of nris in europe in britain this is like the titanic of its age Angela, do you remember watching this movie for the first time
2: yeah i remember it being just a big deal because it was also coming out in like non-international film theaters you know it was coming out in like regular mm. theaters I feel like I watched it in Cerritos.
1: What else do you remember about that experience?
2: Not much. I mean, (laughs) like so many movies, I remember it was long. (laughs) I remember it made my mom happy. It's interesting because it's okay for me to, like, you know, make fun of all these movies. It's still an amazing thing in America to a lot of people of color or immigrants or kids of immigrants when everybody else tells you this thing is cool. You know, I think we're so used to only seeing, for Indians anyways, for only seeing things as being cool when, like, Madonna wears a bindi. You know, that's the only way it can be cool, not like cool itself. Mm. That part of it, you know, whatever I thought about the movie, that part of it feels like redemption in a way.
1: And this is 1995. This is before, you know, Hassan Minaj and Mindy Kaling and all of them.
0: Does that mean that even though it was really annoying that we talked about Bollywood all the time and it made fun of you, that it also was nice that it made you feel cool? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Ada, are you saying that we validate her coolness? I
2: think that's what she said. Um, I mean, Okay. All right, guys, whoever's listening to this, don't tell anyone. But yes, it's true. I mean, you know, like, even though these are movies that I was, that was not like particularly important to me personally, having my friends and frankly, I feel like more non-Indians talk to me about that movie than Indian people. It's like the first time so many people had seen it and began to understand that it's not like a pecking order of culture it's not like you know Hollywood's first and then everybody else is like trying to be just like them or trying to make as much money as them or whatever you know like Hollywood's sort of the standard bearer this is the first time I think some people began to challenge that sort of hierarchy which is you know I don't want to draw a direct line to hierarchies of race and culture in this country but it definitely affects it pop culture definitely affects how people see you
1: I would argue that Bollywood films and films from Asia probably have a great diversity of different kinds of representations, like different kinds of characters. You have heroes and villains. That was still the Bollywood characters to you, not necessarily the, the diversity of Bollywood characters.
2: I mean, I mean, I guess it's cool that somebody can be a hero or a villain, but you look at those movies in the 90s and the heroes, kind of cheesy, you know? <laughs>
1: uh, all right, this, this, that's a good transition, I think, to <laughs> to all of the Shah Rukh Khan films, including Kaho Naho. Because Shah Rukh Khan is, I don't know, how, how would you describe Shah Rukhan? I mean, I think Ada and I have our ways of describing <laughs> Shah Rukh Khan, but we, we'd love to know. Like, what what are some of the words that you think of when you think of Shah Rukh Khan?
2: Ageless. Oh, oh nice. I mean, I always watch nice. these movies being like, I think he's way older than I think he is. He's like able to play any age, I feel like. Why I describe Shah Rukh Khan? You know... <laughs> I mean, I got to tell you this. I guess I better thank you guys for this because, you know, before I think it would give me angst. You know, why does this have to be our hero? Why does it have to be some over-the-top guy who thinks he can solve all the problems of women by making them be in love? (laughs) You know, I think that's where I started. But now when I think about it, it brings me a lot of joy. Wow. Even in the newsroom, I, like, remind a lot of people you know the probably the most known person in the world it's not a hollywood star it's not a white guy it's sharu khan and you know working in different parts of asia really opened my eyes to that too because there were so many places that i went rural places urban places you know places that had some english places that had no english indonesia and china importing in these places and really, the point of commonality that I had with a lot of people, even in Turkey, you know, in Istanbul, was Shah Rukh Khan. You could, like, start a conversation. It's like football for dudes in the U.S. You know, you could talk to anybody if you could talk about Shah Rukh Khan, and you could relate to them.
1: I prefer Shah Rukh Khan to football. <laughs> I
2: I know. I know. These is, these are generalizations. But, you know, like it, it's an amazing thing when you think about it to have that kind of cultural touchstone. So now I have to respect it, you know, because he's effective <laughs> he's really effective and and you know he is magnetic i can't deny that i
0: think a lot of people who may not like him as much as we do i don't know why but i mean it's, it's sort of this argument that like, he's cheesy right he's over the top he's melodramatic and he does the same thing over and over again i think that would sort of be it but then for people who love him it's like you eat it up it's like you want to see him do it over again you want to see him see the girl for the first time and fall in love because no one does it as well as he does. And he works so hard, you know what I mean? I feel like I appreciate how hard he works as a reformer, <laughs> and maybe that's what people call overacting. <laughs> I see it where you're coming from where it's annoying that he thinks he can solve everything by making the woman fall in love. But I think for me, it was just like, you can solve everything with love because he is love, Angelique. <laughs> wow. <laughs>
1: So Kalanaho is about a family in Jackson Heights in New York City, and... They're sad. They're, they're sad. Things are not going well for their family business. The, the played daughter, by Zinta. They're visited by a family friend, played by Shah Rukh Khan, who arrives on a boat and comes to fix all their problems. They
0: call him an angel.
1: He is definitely very angelic as he arrives, arms the spread The wind open. blowing in his hair. On a boat. <laughs> And then I, this is a movie where I definitely don't want to give away any spoilers, but it comes down to a love triangle and sacrifice and the highest expressions of love.
0: Isn't this the first Shah Rukh Khan movie you saw?
1: This is the first Bollywood movie I saw in a theater. Yes, and the first Shah Rukh Khan movie <laughs> I'd seen. I, I watched it at a press screening in San Francisco's Japantown. I remember walking out of the theater and just wanting to dance <laughs> down the streets. I had these songs stuck in my head. I was clearly a transformed man. <laughs> Which
2: song did it for you?
1: Um, the budding one. Mahi bae? Um, Mahi be, yeah. Oh,
0: that's the best song.
2: I thought that was the strongest song in the movie too. Yeah. Should we jump to the other songs? Because I think what we
0: want to talk about is how it portrays America and Indian Americans. And there's definitely like the skylines and stuff like that. But I think two of the songs, one in particular, really screams like, this is what Indian people think of America. And the first one is this song called pretty woman which is a remix of the pretty woman song that you all know
1: so it's already like a appropriation of american culture like a classic american when i saw
0: that for the first time i was just like what is this
1: (laughs) even i felt embarrassed by moments of that song but it, it like it achieves a level of camp too in this musical number, Shah Rukh Khan is trying to cheer up the Priti Zinta character by singing that she is a pretty woman, <laughs> and he basically galvanizes the entire neighborhood of Jackson Heights this like stereotypically multicultural collection of all races behind this Indian guy who's gonna start rapping
0: Listen up girl while you feel this
1: way. don't you see the sunshine coming up today you got feel it right just like day after night don't let the out of your sight.
2: <laughs> that's a great way to describe it stereotypically multicultural which is a step above just stereotypical or just step above not multicultural like all white people. It's
0: the block party <laughs> on the streets that Angela referred to earlier. And then very early in it, he kind of jumps out, arms outstretched, and then this huge American flag rolls behind <laughs> him. And then everyone I took notes on this. Everyone there is like, there's like Do rags with like stars and stripes on it. People are like holding flags. (laughs) There's like gap shirts. There's like backwards caps. And it's very like kind of like 90s, early 2000s. Like a lot of the women are dressed how you would imagine like kind of Britney Spears dressing at the time.
1: But like overly Britney Spears. And
0: then there's just sort of like all this stuff like there's a basketball court because Americans like basketball.
2: Not just so Americans, I mean, like, black Americans specifically. Yeah. I
1: think part of what makes this scene kind of embarrassing is it's appropriating a Roy Arbison song, but it's also appropriating kind of the streets according to blackness. And like even a... A gospel choir comes out at some a point. A
0: gospel Yeah. And then they have like break dancing, but then they like juxtapose break dancing with like a ribbon dance and like people dancing with hula hoops. And there's like bubbles
2: everywhere. It's so random. It's American stereotypes through this weird prism. It's
1: so far from the reality that you can't take it too seriously as a problem.
2: But I also think it makes the family, this main character, Nina. Preeti Zinta's character, this family, is less believable because as Americans or as people who had lived in the United States for a long time, I just don't think it would fly. You know, like, I, I just don't, the main character is Indian American, but definitely not written by an Indian American. (laughs) I don't know that anybody who lives in the United States would take so easily to, you know, somebody coming from India and doing that. You know, like, obviously it's like a, not meant to be taken too seriously, genre in that sense, but it's uncomfortable a little bit to watch somebody represent your country that way with so much confidence uh, in their stereotype. <laughs> there's a lot of confidence.
1: <laughs> it's almost like minstrel-like.
2: Yes, it does feel that way a little bit. But it's all forgiven because the grandma eventually is won over, so that makes it okay.
1: Right, there's, this, is, this is not for us. It's for the grandma. Right. <laughs>
2: You know, I will say the one saving grace of the block party scene in kal is that at the very least what he's trying to do is drown out terrible puja songs. <laughs> and that I can get on board with.
1: In
0: the movie, the grandmother and her friends are singing and that's like a reoccurring joke where it's so bad and no one can stand it, but they can't say anything
1: and then therefore wins the favor of the NRH children because it means something when someone from India saying even I don't stand for this because
2: it's like you know it's really easy to brush off the the Indian American kids like you don't know what it's what it's supposed to be like or you don't know the the prayer so too bad I mean it's that thing especially in the United States so you go to India and there's a lot of selection so maybe the singers are a little better right in Indian American communities you go to a temple it's the person who knows the song gets to sing it. Nine out of ten times, there is an auntie there who is singing who should not be singing. But you, you can't say anything. You really can't. Because, you know, they're worshiping God and stuff. Nobody else knows the song to sing it. And it's really important that, the, you know, this religious song be sung. But it is terrible. Um, you know, like, I remember as a kid, actually. And this is one thing about the movie that I appreciate. I, I really appreciate <laughs> the shutdown of the singing. <laughs> because as a kid... I used to get in trouble with my sisters because we weren't super religious for once in a while. We would be, we're giant. My family's giant. We would be in the temple and we would just start cracking up in the back when these aunties started singing because it was so bad. (laughs) Aunties, I'm so sorry if you're listening, but it was bad. And we would get in so much trouble for laughing in the back during these religious ceremonies. So it's like kind of liberating to have some, you know, to see Shah Rukh Khan being like, nope, you were right. It is bad.
1: Oh, so, so much truth in this scene. I love it.
2: <laughs> I don't know about that, but that part of it.
1: <laughs> yes. And that's probably just the shift that I think both folks in India and in the diaspora, and it's like claiming a certain Indian modernity as opposed to just kind of being stuck in excruciating tradition.
0: So what do you think of the It's the Time to Disco song? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Come on, Nana! Woo! Woo!
1: So in this scene, they all go to a club and this character decides to get drunk and they all lead the, the club in a dance.
0: <laughs> a <laughs> disco <laughs> dance.
2: They do the same thing and She's All That. It's not my favorite kind of music, but as a scene, it's like, okay, I can get behind that. At least a lot of these like cringe-worthy moments or songs are followed by something redeeming. Like they get kicked out of the club.
1: I don't quite follow that logic. They would
2: totally get kicked out.
1: So what was cringeworthy to you about it?
2: I just don't like the song. I mean, come on. This is cheesy. There's no other way around it.
0: There's that scene where Shah Rukh Khan's trying to teach Saif Ali Khan's character how to win over a girl. And he's trying to tell him, like, you got to be cool. And then he says, like, uh, 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 stay in the light, stay alive, the light. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Stay in the light. Stay in the light. Oh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Good, good. Classroom bond. That's like
0: his <laughs> chant to get him to, like, okay, concentrate, be cool. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever watched this film thinking about how it portrays Americans, but because of that, I think I was looking at a lot of the background. Then I would get distracted because I would be like, oh, man, I could have been in the background of that scene. <laughs> like, when he's teaching Steph Ali Khan about love, there's a scene where there's like a Asian girl in the background. And then I think it's like an Asian guy that like gives him a book or something. And I was like, oh, that could have been me and Brian right there. <laughs>
1: So, so Kaho now has some pretty homophobic moments. There's this running gag that Sharukh Khan and Saif Ali Khan's characters might be gay in the eyes of one of the older characters in the film, the housekeeper's eyes. And that gets played as a joke.
2: I feel like the running gag with this housekeeper has a lot of issues of class and generation. They're almost... Um, purposefully saying, yes, there is a difference between our generation and the older generation. Did you guys notice in the sort of love song, Kuch Toh Khoa There's an actual gay couple. That's right. It's it was right. so striking to me because I'd never noticed that before. That's the song
0: where it's like, what is love? It's like, what is love? Pyar, yeah. one of 10 Hindi words I know.
2: Is that how you learn the word pyar, Ada?
0: Probably. I mean, it is in every Bollywood movie. Yeah,
2: that's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That
0: song is about like everyone saying what love means to them, and they show these couples and interracial couples. Yeah, there's a gay couple, and I don't know. Like especially like for the time, I think it was like a very deliberate gesture. Mm. You know?
2: Yeah, it must have been. They must have said we are gonna have two men embracing pretty, you know, intimately in this scene.
1: And it's, like, classically, like, the same way that the pretty woman scene is just so deliberately multicultural. This is, like, so deliberately every kind of love. But also, I mean, I think that this can only happen because it's in the United States. Oh, like,
0: like, maybe they could have got away with it because it's like, oh, that's what happens in America.
1: Right.
2: There's a recognition of diversity amongst Indians that you know like there's good Gujar- i my family is gujarati so I, I enjoy the parts where gujaratis are mocked you know so it you know but there is that recognition that there's gujaratis there's punjabis there's christians there's sikhs there's you know different faiths and different people who all kind of are together which in some ways is a pretty uniquely american thing because everybody mm-hmm. comes together And your your community becomes people who might even speak different languages. Right. The other thing about this is that that representation of Indian and Indian American are much closer in this movie. You know, they don't make a huge distinction between two because, you know, they're all speaking in Hindi with a little bit of English, just like, you know, in Mumbai. And they all sort of have cultural markers and they all lead these very sort of global cosmopolitan lives. So I feel like one of the things about this movie is that they don't actually differentiate that much between Indian and Indian American. At the end of the day, they're all sort of next generation
1: indians in some sense yeah i like this idea of next generation that this is sort of like the future of this is the future of india is going to be more cosmopolitan and the nris are just like a peek into that future and how are we going to make that acceptable to us hence these patriotic assertions at the end of the movie like we need to start our own indian restaurants or fold it into shahru khan's version of indian love and i think we'll see that throughout the semester that whereas in the asian american films that represent asia that division, I think, is very clear that this is us and that's them. Whereas in these films, it's we are all one. They're just a different version of us. And that's the idea of diaspora, that, you know, we're just we're all the same people just spread around the world.
2: The one thing about the Gujarati family, Rohit's family, is that they have a business, a food chain business, and it is called Diala dokla And they mentioned it once, and I wrote it down because why <laughs> anybody out there, please make this an actual chain. I would very much like to dial a dokla. There just aren't enough doklas in I mean this their country. restaurant
0: it's called like something New Delhi. Maybe like Cafe New Delhi or
2: something. yeah. It was called Cafe New York and they changed it to Cafe New Delhi. Yeah.
0: And they're battling the Chinese restaurant across the street.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was like a nondescript East yeah. Asian family. I wanted to know how you guys felt about that. You know, oh, the, good the question. Animosity.
1: Um I
0: think I watched it and I was like, I don't know if I should be offended by it, but it's fine.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's fine, Shahrukh Khan.
1: And that's so funny because if we saw the version of this in a Hollywood film, we would be up in arms. Not if
2: we would be up in arms, I'd be like, what is this? I mean, the family doesn't actually do anything. It's not they like, like they're over yeah, there. But I guess... They,
1: they sneer. They sneer at the Indians. Like.
2: It's both derisive, but it's also admiration, right? Because he tells them, why does that restaurant succeed? It's because they've embraced their culture. So there's also some admiration involved, even though they're like, want to destroy their business. But
0: it's fine, Shah Rukh Khan.
2: <laughs> Go
0: spread love. <laughs> <laughs> Saturday School is a proud member of Potluck, a collective of podcasts that features stories and voices from the Asian American community. It's produced by me and Brian. Our logo is by Grace Talis Lee. Our theme song is courtesy of Rimsky Music and Premium Beat. Check out our website at SaturdaySchoolPodcast.com, or you can tweet us. I'm at Ada Singh A D A T S E N G, and Brian's at Who's Brian H U S B R I A N, and our podcast Twitter handle is Wake Up Sat School. Angela Shaw co-edited a collection of essays about modern China called Chinese Characters: Profiles of Fast Changing Lives in a Fast Changing Land. Professor Brian Hu of San Diego State University recently published a book called Worldly Desires: Cosmopolitanism and Cinema in Hong Kong and Taiwan. And you can check out my other journalism at timesoc.com, a publication of LA Times community news covering Orange County. Next week, your assignment is to watch the 1970 Taiwanese film, Home Sweet Home. Class dismissed.